I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Formula for Success with me, David Coulthard, and Eddie Jordan. This is part two of our interview with Martin Donnelly. In this part, the Northern Irishman opens up about surviving the horrific crash at the Spanish Grand Prix in Jerez and working as an FIA steward. Marty, you were for a long time... Uh, a part of that group of people in the FIA um, as one of the stewards. And sometimes David and I, we scratch our heads saying, what on earth are this, you know, track limits and this and that and the other. And, and I think the stewards are getting a little bit of flack at the moment. Do you think that's justified or put yourself back in the place? Because am I right in saying you, you've now resigned or retired yeah, yeah, from... Yeah, I've about four years now, yeah. Because, you know, I mean... It is a privilege, and it's good for your CV to be an FA steward. But at the end of the day, you know, they don't pay. And all those guys, like your Warwicks and your Pieros and all those guys, they were very fortuitous and great drivers, and they made their money. But little old Marty coming off the ranks didn't get the money. And so you go to somewhere, like say, like Australia, you're out there like a week before, and you've got to stay until Monday before you come back. And, you know, you've got a home, you've got a wife, and you've got a family there, and, you know, so you have to sort of say, like, uh, you don't, I don't need this battle, you know. I remember some great situations. Everybody remembers Lewis and Rosberg at uh, Barcelona, lap one, turn three, and they wiped each other out. You know, that took three and a half hours to resolve. Um, and uh, the simple thing was that uh, um, Mr. Rosberg forgot to reset a steering wheel in the correct launch mode at the start. And you'll see on the, if you watch it from behind, if you watch it again, you'll see halfway through turn three, flat out right hander. He lost 160 brake horsepower. And that's why Lewis comes so quickly. And in a split second, second, Lewis had made me make a call. And he said, I'll go left, I'll go right, sorry. And that, if he had gone left, there'd be no accident. But it's a very difficult job because we have these books, we have these ledgers for like for like situations passing on a yellow flag up into, say, turn two in Montreal where you can't see the exits and they're, they're blind, they're tall walls. Um, but every situation is, is never the same because there's mitigating circumstances that makes that not the same. And therefore, to try and stay consistent, we want to get consistency whereby the people that watch the races all over the world can say, well, he did that the last Grand Prix, why are they doing it different this time around? And it's a, it's a difficult job to, and you'll never put it, never get it right. So you, you, no bad feeling. You're, you're happy. No, great no. experience. A good experience. I don't know how you guys do. I mean, getting on those planes on off, you know, commercial planes. We haven't got the private planes like you guys can. No, we, no, no. Well, I mean, the race team. Of course, you had to have it. You couldn't possibly operate without them. But 
Certainly we're on the back of the plane or in the middle of the plane or halfway up the front of the plane. But it doesn't really matter about how you get there. It's just a travelling. is a. I couldn't do that again. If you gave me a fortune to do 24 races, DC does what, 18? I mean, it's a real slog, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 17, yeah. 17. I, I don't care. 17 is as much as what we but did. Well, I, that's what I admire about, and I'll go back to him, to, to, to Lewis. He's been doing it like since 2007, right, and send that? To... Unpack a bag, pack a bag, go to an airport, jump on a plane, even as a Learjet or a company Learjet, you know, to still have that... You still have jet lag. To still have a mojo to keep doing that year in, year out, you know. And, that, that, that. and we'll come on to that in a second, to do what he's now doing. Yeah, against the young lads. <laughs> and honestly... He's making George look a bit second rate at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and George, we were thinking at the beginning of the year, he's mustered, he's world class. He's and keeping them all on their feet. Lando, Leclerc, even, even Max, you know, he's still looking over his shoulder. And, and Martin brought up the point about now you'd like to see more cars. Uh, do you welcome the Andretti situation? Very much so. Why were the teams, well, we know why the teams, the teams were absolutely vicious in making sure he, they didn't come. Is that because of the payouts and the money, you know, the split of the cash or, you know, we're the top 10 and we don't want to, we, we, we don't want to disrupt our franchise and our franchise has this worth of value. Um, do you think that's fair? No, it's not fair. The problem is that they have this Concord Agreement and 10 teams are signed to that and they know how much the pay they're getting, okay? If you start bringing in four, five, six teams and let's say... And touch with, I hope they do, Andretti produces a quick car with quick drivers for next year. All of a sudden, certain teams that are maybe not as fortuitous this year at the back of the grid aren't going to get the same sort of money they're getting this year. And all the F1 teams are doing very well. Very new well. sponsors, thankfully to Liberty and to Drive to Survive. And, and, and it's, it's, gone, it's gone bananas, right? But again, you've created own problems. They get the circuits like Zandvoort and to Monaco. Where are you going to put these teams? Because the garage isn't put needs to be designed to 10 teams. So housing more teams, they can't do it. 1991 in Mexico, I, I felt we were in a different parish. We were on the grass. <laughs> we were, I, I kid you not, because you're absolutely right. There were so many garages and the top, top guys 10, got top them. The top 10, they yeah. got them, 24. The FIA had an extra garage and I'm saying the tar people had a garage. Do you remember Monaco? You either got on the, on the outside the front along the, the oh. harbour or if you weren't in the top 10, you're in an underground NCP car park. That's exactly yeah. right. So I've been on in those places. I know that NCP car park really well. <laughs> we forget that in Mexico, we were on the grass at the very far end. And there was no communication with PA. So you had to have people coming and going back and Brothers. say, you're, you're necking. And they, they, they've cancelled. There's a delay. and this, But no one had any idea what was going on. It was horrific. Anyway, we've all moved on so from those that. So those are some of the problems that, yes, we'd like to have more teams, but the infrastructure is also a problem because they, they, they can't cope with those teams. Well, it's not just that, it's the travel. I mean, I'm sure DHL have more than enough trucks to get them around the place, but I mean, the, the obligation, and then you've got a, probably a new tyre manufacturer. Uh, well done to Bernie for actually building what he did from a minority sport into what it is now. Uh, but to be fair, Liberty have taken the baton and, and ran with it uh, in an, an unbelievably positive fashion. But, you know, we never thought we'd see three races on the calendar in, in the States, do we? It was Especially to... after your year at Indianapolis, when, what, seven cars started the race? Yeah. And they've thrown stuff in the circuit as a protest. Americans love this. 
Thank you, Nuffus. So um, that's the only time that there has been a protest that it was those cars. Mm. And uh, sure, we've been through that. And at some stage, maybe in the future, DC, we will talk about in the, uh, you know, what did happen there because uh, with the tyres and the various other things and teams, it was like civil war, wasn't it? It was a civil war. But anyway, um, Marty, let's, I'm delighted to see you looking so happy. Um, you're obviously making a few quid. What happened to your race team? Well, I got hit on this. Uh, by a team called Comtech. Uh, we're doing World Series by Renault back then. So I put the, they were going to pay me twice as much money as I paid myself. So I went out to Comtech and we became uh, World Series champions in our first year. So um, that was a great accolade uh, for the team. And then after that, you know, you can name your price. We were getting drivers on the thing for, uh, for 2007. We were getting the first million euro deals done for drives for World Series by Renault. And a lot of drivers were going from World Series in the F1 because they were bypassing the F2 because it was twice the money and they wouldn't pay the money. So then Max Verstappen came along. I think he went from F3 straight into F1. Am I right in saying that, DJ? Didn't do F2 or World Series. And the FI said that was wrong. They said it was very wrong because he's uh, no young novice driver per se should be allowed to step screen the F1 because that's the, the holy grail of, of, of motorsport and it wasn't long before Max put them wrong when he was with I think Toro Rosso David is that right? Yeah. He was up there and he, he won a race so that proved them to be wrong they then made uh, FA points for each championship FAA F3 FAA F2 and the formulas so you had to get enough FAA points to be able to go into F1 and didn't give it the World Series so that next that um, killed you off. Killed worse. And we were getting huge audiences, like Silverstone today, hundred three thousand spectators. You go to Le Mans, you couldn't move. It was a very successful um, program. There were free tickets, and Renault paid for that. But the FIA came to the side. Just for our listeners, just no harm. You've talked about Max going straight. A couple of other people who have done that, yeah. who are pretty special, and. Yeah. Um, um, you're Obviously, Prost was one. Um, Martino, Martin Brundle. Uh, Martin Brundle never did formula. He went straight from us into, into a Tyrrell. And, and Prost and PK. DC, weren't you one of those? You didn't do Formula 2, did you? You went straight into... Yeah, I did Formula 3000. Um, so, no, I wasn't one of the, the truly talented ones that go straight from <laughs> Formula 3. Oh, that's very modest of you. That's not yes. like you. <laughs> I was actually at the Autosport Awards that you won, the, you won in... 89, 1990? 89, that's, yeah, that's right. right. That's, that's when I won the young year. driver. Yeah, yeah and I, well, I actually, that, the F1 car. That, that has pleasant memories for me because I remember uh, in 1982, the Autosport Awards, the BRDC, Silverstone, um, they were paid out five grand to the winner and it was given to, you You obviously did it, but Marty Brundle got it and he came to my table and gave me the check. Wasn't that nice of him? He said, please, please, please run me in Formula 3. And For we five did. grand? No, well, that's all he had. <laughs> uh, but it was enough to convince me that this was a guy who was absolutely desperate. Mm. And what a championship. That 90, uh, 1983 was against Senna, one of the classic Formula 3 seasons of all time. And uh, to be fair... Marty Brundle, who we have to get on here fairly soon, um, because uh, he has a lot to tell us about his life and what he's done. You're paying me today. Um, I don't think you're a bit like me. All three of us, we get nothing. We're doing it for the love. We're giving back. (laughs) Indeed. Listen, I don't know how you guys 
ever managed to get any racing done because you know you both of you can talk for your, your you know for your your country. But anyway, um, Martin, I'm going to move on to a tough tough time in your career, and we're talking Hareth, of course, 1990, and I was actually standing on the banking at the corner when you had your accident. I was standing there with a, a guy called Vincenzo Suspiri, a very nice, uh, a good Italian driver, and Gilles de Ferran, um, who is a you know lifelong friend and was my teammate at that time. And we were racing in Opel Lotus. And of course, uh, you know, all dreaming of one day being a Formula One. So we were watching the session there and you came around and you had that horrific crash that it is, you know, it's just remarkable that you survived and you're here to, to share your incredible career and stories with us. So for for those that are not so familiar with Formula One, I wonder if you could talk us through your, I'm sure you've got patchy memories of it, but um, what, what you remember pre and post? I mean, at that, at that time, um, I have to say I was very fortuitous. I had four contracts from Formula One teams. Needless to say, Eddie was all in there. You brought me to... Branch and the third draft of your contract we could do something with. And then there was uh, Terrell and there was Arrows and then Lotus had the option on my services. And on the morning after the morning warm-up, they took me into the motorhome and we signed a contract for 91, 92 for 5.6 million, which, which was big money back then. Well, not so I've ever seen it, I don't know. And so life was good. So all of a sudden you're going to be number one driver in 91. Some young lad called Mickey Hacklin was going to come in as my number two teammate. I don't know if it um, happened to him. David knows him well. He knew, he, he knew how to beat David. <laughs> Go ahead. And uh, so life was good. Sponsored by Hugo Boss. And, and life was great. And then through no fault of, of your own, you know. Unfortunately, the number two mechanic in the car hadn't spotted the belt crank was working loose at the front of the car, which then... Um, it's like a coat hanger, uh, the lowest break where, where the, the highest energy is. And with that back belt crank vibrating and moving, it broke the top left damper neck off. And the gravel trap was about six feet off the edge of the track. So as you went to turn, the car was bottoming on the floor. She so had no steering input, no braking input. I hit the barrier at 176 miles per hour. I went through 42G. And thankfully, it sounds strange to say, but I went with the inertia. So I went out of the car, and that's actually partly what saved me. And I would say it's very important too that we as a collective group on the safety and if I learn from those experiences to make the cars safer. And after my accident, you know, the cars, the side pods, the side cockpits got higher and et cetera, and bigger and wider, you know. So that was that. And then, well, as I said, I was on the track unconscious. Uh, I wasn't breathing for 11 and a half minutes because I think Sid Watkins was at the Pitlin exit in a Trabant. And it took him so long to get around there. They actually, I was actually more or less towards the entrance of the Pitlin. I heard the was there watching. He came out and watched. I knew Ayrton from my days of Van Diemen. So it got me stabilised and then into the medical centre to try and strip the leg, the legs out and everything else and stabilise the neck and then flew me out air ambulance to Seville. I heard went back out and went quicker. Came to see Sid, I think he spoke to Sid for about an hour and a half as to why he'd done things the way he'd uh, performed. And then after that, got in his hire car and drove the uh, 40 minute drive down to Seville and found me in the hospital with a guy called Mark Gallagher was yeah. there. Mark was there. Mm -hmm. 
Everybody knows Mark from uh, Jordan. Outside the ITU intensive care, he was waiting to see, oh, I was going to live or die because it was, it was very much borderline. I was going to report back to the, the media pen at uh, Jerez. And I heard and said to, to Mark that uh, if the Donnelly family ever needed financial help or ambulance or anything else, just give him a phone call and he would sort out for me. That was the sort of man I heard and was. And then he went back to the circuit and the next day, went even quicker again, you know. So he had his ability when he went to see Ratzenberg, went to see Barcello, Comas at Spa. I don't know if he had to sort of face his fears. Uh, that's the way his mind worked. He, he operates. Nobody other drivers did that, you know. I don't know if they're allowed to, but uh, a strange man, sometimes a confused man, very much a, a spiritual man. Believe in God very strongly. We had those conversations here with Sid Watkins at Imla. So. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, going on from there, um, you were in the London hospital. Mm -hmm. I remember Marie and I, um, I mean, it was quite a while there. It was touch and go whether you were going to make this through or not. Last uh, cut, the last race performed on me. How long was it before you, there was a turning point? Because at one stage we went into, I think I might have even been with Johnny, and we went into the, the London hospital uh, and I came away thinking, Jesus, at least I've seen him. Because mm -hmm. I, I didn't think I'd see you again no, no. Uh, above ground. Well, I mean, my ex-teammate, Derek Warwick, world hot rod champion and a hard racer and a hard man. Hard man. Yeah. He came to Royal London to see me. I wish somebody sitting and taking some pictures of me in the hospital because... You, somebody said, would you like to know just how ill you looked? I'd I like to see that because I don't appreciate that. I know when I left the hospital to go to Dungles in February 91, I was 53 kilos in body weight and full of MRSA. But Diane, my fiance, sort of pre-warned Derek that Martin is not the guy you, you remember seeing or something, brought him down into the ITU, pulled back the curtains and Derek fainted because I had all these tubes from my head and everything else, lost the weight, and uh, he collapsed. So for somebody like Derek to do that, you know, you, you must be looking not your best. And, you know, Derek, uh, who we absolutely adore, he had a fatality who was yeah, his own Paul, brother. Yeah, in, Paul, yeah. Paul died uh, in Alton Park, I think mm. it was. Uh, so for him to do that, he'd obviously seen firsthand what can happen. So he must have felt that you were on your way out. Yeah, well, I, I know that. Did you feel it yourself? There was times, there was times, you know, there was, uh, I've got no, how do I say this, I'll be careful to say this, corrective memory. And um, I got over three days at Christmas, I stayed a nurse with me, and the kitchen was full of drugs, and put an IVF drip in every night. And it made me realise how 
hospitalised to become, how much I depend on people. And that wasn't me, because I went to boarding school uh, in Dundalk and Ireland's one summer at home, over to England uh, through with Frank and stayed with a lovely lady called um, Miss Happy Breeze. And so I never actually had a, um, a settled home life, you know. And thankfully, through Sid Watkins and through uh, Willie Dungle out in Austria, Dungle was the guy I should speak to tell people that, he was the guy who brought Nicky Lauder back from his accident in um, Newburgh the fiery accident that he had. And Nicky, as a thank you, invest money in his business and build a new medical centre on the side of this fitness uh, hotel. And he got me back and then he said, we can do more, no, no more for you, Marty. We need you to have an operation in your leg. I came back to the Royal London, had the, the operation to, because the problem I have is I have fixators in my legs when I burst my artery in my thigh. And I, you couldn't bend my legs, so my legs stayed stiff. It wasn't being mobile, it wasn't being, being manipulated. And all the blood and gunk in the leg stuck the muscle to my femur. And then I came back twice more, had what they call a quadriplastic twice. It's like sliding off salami ham off the bone. I got up to 60 degrees first time. And there was a birthday treat to myself. I had another one with a guy called Matt Bartlett, who raised the guests. He had lotuses, and we got up to 120. But unfortunately, the skin across the kneecap tore each time. And then he, I don't know, that was it. And then Ayrton's death at Imla on the 1st of uh, May, 84, or 94, 94, was the nail in the coffin for me. You know, I've been to see the guy upstairs three times. He says, you're not ready to come in here. And um, you've got to have, say to yourself, where do I go with my life from here? Well, I gave up my education. I left Queen's University in Belfast that was doing engineering to make a career in, in, in motorsport. The dean of the university said, look, great opportunity. Go and fill your boots. And if it doesn't work out, you then come back and pick where you left off. And I didn't have to do that. So I thought I used the experience I had of my days through the school of Eddie Jordan Racing, the Hard Knocks. Uh, and I had a good experience with Trevor Foster and Gavin Jones. So I set up MDR and ran from 92 to, to 2005. And good years with good drivers. So there you go. Um, it, got... I find it fascinating. I, I find it truly fascinating. I actually I felt quite emotional there as well, Martin. The, the, the way you're able to describe the trauma and the journey as if it's you know you make it sound as if it's just oh, no, well, it's a big, big journey. just a normal life it, it, it's it's unbelievable what you've been through and to be so matter of fact about it I, I, you know I'm really looking forward to seeing your documentary well, trust because me, it's it, just inspirational it wasn't matter of fact because I, I went to the Chelsea and uh, Westminster Westminster Hospital for the operations a surgeon called Brian Roper was the man and obviously a very plush hospital for a nice courtesy of the BRDC because they pay for the last two operations. And I insured myself for uh, 200 grand because that's what I was earning at Lotus at, at the time. One of these cheap, cheap deals. And um, and I remember we all used to see him guy, Tim Clues, Clues TLC Insurance. And I remember uh, Gerard Berger going there and he insured himself for 19 million because that's the money he's getting from Ron. There's three years at the McLaren. And uh, so we, obviously we ran out of money. Uh, it was all spent on operations. And for this guy to come to my bedroom when I was recuperating, Sam Martin, he says, I'm telling you now, you'll never drive an F1 car again in your life. 
that's when I broke down and cried. The only time I when they pulled the the, the tubes out from your your drips and stuff like that it was painful. I cried and, and broke down. I just a meltdown is the best word to, to, to describe it. And I thought, no, he's wrong. He's wrong. He may know his his job, uh, surgery and books and practice and how to do things, but he doesn't know the spirit of a racing driver. And uh, we are a different breed. And I went back out to Dungles. I went back into physiotherapy and cosmotherapy and mag- magnetic therapy every day for seven hours. And I phoned EJ because he'd say, Marty, if there's any time you want to drive the F1 car, give me a call. I'm your man, right? <laughs> and I phoned EJ. And he was true to his word. And, of course, EJ BDJ turned the day into a massive PR scam. The whole, the whole, the whole world was there from Germany, from Is Australia. Is there anyone surprised with that? <laughs> and we had a big interview afterwards up in the Jimmy Brown suite. And I remember one of the journalists asking me, you know, Marty, you know, what was it like? It's been two and a half years since you last drove an F1 car. And I just said it was like two and a half weeks because you get into the car. My biggest fear that day was stalling because I can't feel my left leg. And the, the, the leg swelled up so much from the injuries. I crushed all my nerves in my leg. And that's why I limp. Uh, I lost an inch and five-eighths from the length of the left leg. But that was my biggest fear that day, was not stalling in front of all the European worldwide press. And once I got into the car, it was a bit of a foggy day from my memory. And straight down Hager Street, it was full tilt, full chat. No, no fear, no... no and that's when I get back into race cars now, there's no fear because, you know... In my mindset, I knew it wasn't my fault to the accidents. And I know that, you know, racing cars and safety have moved on immensely since then. And thank God for the Grand Prix Driver Association and for Sid Watkins and Jackie Stewart. That has all come, come a lot better. Well done. And, here, here, here. You know, here. And, and for those guys, and there's still things going behind closed doors that, as I say, when accidents happen, it'll never, ever be totally full safe. But the best we can do is to make it safe as we know from the engineering and safety aspects that we have today. And thank God you look at that accident of Kibitza years back, had a split ankle. And it's a walk that's a miracle some of these guys to walk away to these, these days. I mean, Mark Webber, our own Mark Webber, who DC and I have worked with for ages, that shunt that he had in Valencia, Valencia was Valencia unbelievable. The car, Probably yeah. the worst I've ever seen in my life. And he just walked away from it. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I, I'm sorry to, to, to come into this because, uh, you know, this, a little bit like the, the recent chat we had with Damon Hill, we've uh, been talking now for just over the hour. Before I wrap up um, for this part of the conversation, uh, thank you to our dear listeners, of course, and to remember to follow Formula for Success on Spotify and wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can find us on social media with the handle F1 for Success. So I think, if I may, Martin, the sign-off other than uh, Eddie's normal crazy, uh, crazy hour of what he does. Uh, the sign-off should be you directing us to where we can see your documentary, because I'm sure that is just going to be an absolutely fascinating watch. It's on uh, Sky F1, uh, and look up the title, it's called uh, Life on the Edge, and you'll see the helmet on there and a few things, so orange and blue, so it's easy to quite pick out but please enjoy it we're trying to encourage anybody that can help us going forward into funding and talk to the right people um, to make it into a film it'd be great great uh, Martin it's always difficult talking to somebody in my opinion that probably knows you too well um, you, you've shared our home with us shared our family we kind of grew up together it was like 
uh, an enlarged family and, you know, Johnny Herbert and we talked, we haven't talked about the Rat Pack because so many of them, there was Martin Brundle and there was Damon Hill and there was you, Johnny Herbert, and it just goes on and on. And they were great days for me. And I want to thank you for your participation because I remember having a party after Silverstone in the Formula 3000 race and we went absolutely crazy. We had a band, my band was there and I, I, I promise you we've had some great days in Formula 1 with DC at the Formula 1 races but this was a Formula 3000 race that That's we true. just won. It was electric. The place went mad. Thank you for very much for coming at such short notice by the way. Um, DC is just back and I'm on my way so it's not easy to get us in the one place at the one time. I can just say it's been an honour and privilege to oh. be with you guys again and as we all know I rightfully shouldn't be here you know so live every day and your health your wealth guys. There you go well said Marty uh, you're an inspiration uh, to so many people to come back from what you've been through and to have the courage and the conviction, as you've already told us. Uh, and DC, I'm glad he mentioned that he was emotional because I, it, I was emotional um, and I wasn't sure we were all catching what you were saying um, to the same level. But um, I think the people out there listening will applaud you and adore what you've done, uh, not just for yourself and your family, but also for the betterment of Formula One and to making sure that you come out and say the things that need to get changed and how they have changed to the betterment. So bravo to you. EJ, I think the last thing, we couldn't have a formula for success without you signing off. So Martin, uh, thank you so much pleasure, for joining us. Pleasure. And over to EJ. Mar Marty, he uh, takes the mickey out of me and I'd usually say, ah! Special one for you, Marty. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.